tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's December 25th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good Christmas day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report. I hope this message finds you doing so well and in very good spirits today. And what a day it is. For fellow Christians, today is very special. A day to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. His birth is spoken of so beautifully in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 14, where it speaks of the glory to God in the highest. And depending on the translation, it then says, peace and goodwill to men or to those with whom God is pleased. But regardless of the translation, it is a day of celebration, isn't it? And peace. And in that vein, I would like to share with you two important reminders of this from world history. One is a story that you might have heard of before about the Christmas truce of 1914, but the other story is one that you probably haven't heard of before. It takes place 30 years after that Christmas truce in a small cabin in the Hurden Forest between Belgium and Germany during World War II. It's a remarkable moment between a mother, her young son, and two sets of soldiers that didn't expect to see each other. But before we get to that wonderful story, let us be reminded of this. Christmas Eve of 1914 was not a good one. The world was just six months into World War I, with many hoping that it would be over by Christmas, but that was not meant to be. The war would last for years longer, eventually taking some 16 million lives, both military and civilian. But on Christmas Eve of 1914, something remarkable happened. One British soldier who was serving at the time, a private named Marmaduke Walkington, he was sitting in his trench with his fellow soldiers, When he heard something unusual, we were in the front line, he said, about 300 yards from the Germans. We'd been singing carols and this and that and the other, and the Germans had been doing the same. And we'd be shouting to each other, sometimes rude remarks, more oftentimes just joking remarks. Eventually, a German said to us, tomorrow, you know shoot, we know shoot. He was proposing a Christmas truce. Meanwhile, far away from Mr. Washington, another British soldier, a machine gunner named Bruce Barron's father, he said that he too heard the Germans singing Christmas carols and some of the British soldiers, his friends, began to sing back at them. As Mr. Barron's father then said, suddenly we heard confused shouting from the other side and we all stopped to listen. And the shout came again. It was from a German speaking English. He was saying, come over here. To which one of the British sergeants answered with (laughs) some trepidation, "Uh, you come halfway and I'll go halfway. And to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, halfway was no man's land filled either with dead or the dying. As my historians know, sometimes there would be very brief truces to retrieve the dead or the dying in the no man's land, but not like this. This was spontaneous, starting with Christmas carols, which were obviously a reflection of Christmas Eve. And this was happening all over the front lines, not just in some of the trenches where, say, Mr. Washington or Mr. Barron's father sat. 
Indeed, some estimates are upwards of 100,000 troops participated in this Christmas truce as the evening hours of Christmas Eve turned into the morning hours of Christmas Day. In fact, here's how Mr. Walkington described what happened. And the morning came, and we didn't shoot, and they didn't shoot. So then we began to pop our heads over the side to take a look and then jump down quickly in case they shot, but they didn't shoot. And then we saw a German standing up, waving his arms, and we didn't shoot. And so on. It, it just gradually grew. Indeed, it did. And just to emphasize, this was not ordered by you know high command. No one in Berlin or London suggested this idea or said that it should happen, but it did happen. And that is why Christmas morning of 1914 was such a joyful one, with only a handful of violations of this truce. These men, they went out into no man's land and they shook hands. They shared bottles of wine and tobacco. They sang Christmas carols, replaced uh, their wet cigarettes with some dry ones. Impromptu barbershops were set up in in the no man's land with Germans cutting the hair of British soldiers and vice versa. A game of soccer broke out in one place, not organized per se, just a hundred or so men having a a good go of it. By the way, we know of all of this from not just uh, stories passed down by the men, but from photos as well. Personal cameras that were carried by the soldiers captured these surreal moments, with the film then sent back home to families who just couldn't believe it. And that's because at the time, newspapers and radio outlets were promoting propaganda, saying that the other side was full of you know, baby-eating monsters. But here they were, all Europeans, all celebrating on Christmas Day together. Unfortunately, there was another group of people who couldn't believe it either what they were seeing. Senior military leaders on both sides of the war, they were absolutely outraged. And they were also a bit fearful of what am I do to morale if the war were to be a long one, which they all expected it would be. And so the truce came to an end. Here's how British soldier George Asher described how it happened. We got orders come down the trench. Get back in your trenches, every man. The generals behind must have seen the truce and got a bit suspicious. So they gave orders for a battery of guns behind us to fire and a machine gun to open out and officers to fire their revolvers at the Germans. Of course, that started the war again. Oh, we were cursing them to hell, cursing the generals, saying, you want to get up here in this stuff? Never mind you're giving orders and your big chateaus and driving about in your big cars. Oh, we hated the sight of those bloody generals. And so the Christmas Day truce was over. Official peace wouldn't come until the year 1919. But that December, December 25th of 1914, that still lives on, certainly in popular culture, like movies, songs, TV shows. And I'm aware that some people argue that the Christmas truce wasn't real, but that is absolutely historically incorrect. It was real. In fact, one of the British soldiers at the time, that Mr. Barron's father, later reflected on that day, saying, looking back at it all, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. Well, no doubt about that. Well, the angry generals aside. From that weird Christmas day in 1914, we fast forward 30 years in time when war had once again consumed Europe with World War II ravaging the continent in one of the most bloodiest parts of that war and its eras. Christmas Eve of 1944 was just days into what we now call the Battle of the Bulge, Adolf Hitler's last major offensive of the war. As my historians know, 
it was an absolutely horrific time. Some 30 German divisions attacking a battle-fatigued U.S. Army across 85 miles of dense forests. And in that dense forest was a tiny cabin. It sat in Germany near the Belgian border. Inside was a young mother named Elizabeth. She was living there with her 12-year-old son named Fritz. They had fled to this little cabin after their home in Aachen was destroyed by Allied bombing months prior. Now, Elizabeth, that night of Christmas Eve, she was hoping that her husband Hubert could join them by some miracle he was off serving in the war. Well, as her son Fritz later told Reader's Digest, his mother was preparing for supper on that Christmas Eve of 1944 when they got a knock at the door. And that was alarming because it was so late in the day and the closest neighbors were miles away. Plus, the area was in the middle of blizzard-like conditions with the snow piling up pretty high and the cold terribly biting. And no reasonable person would have been out at that hour and not so deep in the woods. And so Mother Elizabeth opened the door cautiously and there stood two men. They were soldiers, armed, and speaking a language that Fritz didn't know at the time, but it was English and they were Americans. Two men were asking for shelter with a third American soldier lying in the snow, badly wounded. Elizabeth hesitated, as you would probably imagine. She and Fritz both knew that giving aid or comfort to the enemy meant death if discovered. But Elizabeth was apparently moved by what she saw, as Fritz later said. One of the American boys didn't appear terribly older than he, and so she allowed them in, carrying the wounded American to the cabin's bed. Elizabeth then hurriedly told Fritz, go get Herman. Herman, by the way, was a rooster named after a uh, Nazi leader at the time that (laughs) Elizabeth didn't especially care for. So Herman would be supper for the night. And then after a time and nerves had calmed down a bit, they got another knock at the door. Fritz answered it thinking it would be more Americans. But it wasn't. It was for German soldiers. And they were lost in the blizzard and they needed shelter. Elizabeth quickly went to the door, excused herself outside to speak with them. She said that they could come in, but no weapons would be allowed. When one of the German soldiers protested that, she told him in no uncertain terms that it is the holy night and there will be no shooting here. And then she added that uh, she had some uninvited guests. They had just arrived. And so the German men entered the cabin. The soldiers, the German and the Americans all stared at each other. As you would guess, it was a very tense few minutes, and they said nothing. And so Elizabeth took charge. She physically grabbed them and pushed them closer to each other to force them to mingle and make small talk. I believe that is called going full mom. At any rate, she then ordered Fritz to gather more potatoes and more oats. As she said to her son, these men are hungry, and a starving man is an angry one. And that is certainly true. Shortly after the Germans arrived and the small talk began, one of the American soldiers, the one that was wounded on the bed, he started to moan in pain. One of the Germans looked him over. He had been a medical student before the war, and he tended to this man as best as he could. Elizabeth continued to cook the meal, the supper, for the night, and then put out the food when it was ready. But before they ate, she bowed her head and told the boys to do the same. And she said grace in both German and French. And as she did, Fritz said that he looked up and he saw his mother and the soldiers quietly weeping. After grace, the group ate their wonderful meal and eventually they all settled down for the night in peace.
The next morning, Christmas morning, the opposing soldiers got to work. They made a stretcher from some poles in the woodshed. They also used an Elizabeth tablecloth, all to transport that wounded American soldier to safety. The Germans then directed the Americans where best to go to avoid taking fire. And then they all shook hands and departed. And as they did, Fritz remembers what his mother told the boys as they left. Be careful, boys. I want you to get home someday where you belong. God bless you all. Elizabeth and Fritz survived the war. Hubert did too. He came home, which was certainly a blessing for little Fritz. Years later, Fritz immigrated to the United States. He set up a bakery in Hawaii, of all places. He was a baker, just like his dad. Well, as the years passed, Fritz wondered, whatever happened to those American boys that he met on Christmas Eve of 1944? He thought about it, and he decided, well, you know, some publicity of what happened might help him to figure things out and find the people. So he spoke to Reader's Digest back in the 1970s, but no luck. Decades later, back in 1995... He spoke of his story to the television show called Unsolved Mysteries, and that did it. A man named Ralph Black was one of the three American soldiers in the cabin that night, and he was still alive. Fritz flew to Maryland to meet with Mr. Black, and when the door opened at the retirement home, they recognized each other immediately, and they embraced. As they were talking, Ralph said to Fritz, your mother saved my life. And that gave great comfort to Fritz. As he later said, Now I can die in peace. My mother's courage won't be forgotten. And it shows what goodwill can do. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we end this special Christmas episode of The Right Report. I sure hope that you enjoyed these two stories of, well, Christmas miracles, really. The first miracle was about peace an unexpected joy in the midst of an absolutely horrific war. The second was about courage and faith, wasn't it? Elizabeth was a woman who embraced her Christianity and her humanity because those things mattered more to her than whatever her government told her to care about. And it is because of her Christian faith and her humanity that generations of people in Germany and America are alive today. And so let us celebrate and remember those things, the peace, the joy, and the heart of a good Christian woman, because it is those things that are really the reasons for this glorious season. It's not the presents, and it's not the trees. It's the birth of Jesus Christ and goodwill towards men. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.